this life will all be over and our pilgrimage will end soon we'll take our heavenly journey be at home again with friends heaven's gates are standing open waiting for our entrance there some sweet day we're going over all the beauties there to share just a little while to stay here just a little while to wait just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state then we'll enter heaven's portals sweeping through the pearly gates soon we'll see the light of morning then that new day will begin soon we'll hear the father calling come my children enter in then we'll hear a choir of angels singing out the victory song all our troubles will be ended and we'll live with heaven strong just a little while to stay here just a little while to wait just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state then we'll enter heaven's portals sweeping through the pearly gates then we'll enter heaven's portals sweeping through the pearly gates well the only thing missing is that bass part that i'll be singing soon <laughs> And Brother Josh, don't get a bass around here soon. I'm jumping in, man. <clears throat> yeah, I've been working on that bass on that, uh, that song, you know, the one that says Soul Purpose on it. Yeah, next week's my week. I'm jumping in on that. Yep, we're going to be on it. That's good. Brother Josh, he puts together all these uh, songs for our, um, our themes and he does a great job on it. This year, he put a song together, and when we listened to it, we said, nah, there's no way. It's really not a good choir song, but boy, it's a great song. There's another verse that goes with this, and um, he's got a bass part that goes with it as well. And so when he does these, he always puts all four parts in. He does all the parts, you know. Boy, it sounded so good, and I was like playing it for the kids the other day, and we were dancing around the house and going crazy. I say kids. I'm not talking about mine. I'm talking about the grandkids, and boy, we was having a good old time. Just kept playing it over and over. I think we listened to it 30 times. And uh, my wife was finally like, not again. And every time it ended, they'd say, do it again. And we just, just you know, kind of like Brother Lorena in the Philippines. But anyway, <clears throat> we had a good time. Great song. Well, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. We're going to look at just one verse today. And uh, honestly, you're going to be amazed. I've got a two-page message. 
Yeah, look at that. That's great. You know what I mean? We got communion tonight, and I, uh, I'm going to deviate from our, our lesson on uh, called to teach. I got to get away from that. It was a little bit longer, and I didn't want to try to squeeze it in, and I, I didn't want to put us in a spot where we feel uncomfortable moving into communion. I want us to feel like we have some time, and we can just, uh, you know, really reflect well on that. I don't like that rushed feeling for that, you know what I mean? I just want us to be able to relax in it. So we're going to try to end here at a reasonable time and give us plenty of time to just uh, take that in and, and be able to reflect. Uh, really, that's what communion's about, isn't it? Remembering, the Bible says. And we want to take time to remember. We don't want to be thinking about, well, I wonder who's in the, ahead in the game right now or, <clears throat> you know, who's going to win tonight or am I going to get home in time to, you know, to, before somebody tells me what the score is and, you know, stuff like that. We don't need our, our minds caught up. You notice I mentioned all those things? Remember, don't go telling people those things. Okay, so anyway, uh, we're trying to focus, you know, tonight, and we want to certainly give our due attention to that. But tonight, before we do that, I'm going to share a passage in Scripture that I think is kind of interesting. And uh, it's one, uh, years ago, we had um, Brother Hamilton, Terry Hamilton in. And Brother Hamilton, he preached a message out of this passage. And it says, my son, give me thine heart. And that was really what he focused on, and he spent a lot of time on that. And man, it was an impactful, uh, a sermon that really impacted, and it was really good. And, uh, but it says in Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Now, right off the bat, it would seem that this is a command, and, and I believe it is, obviously, however, I also believe there's much more to it than that. You know, I see within these 13 words, of, I mean, just a truth that is so powerful that I believe it would change our lives if we choose to let it. Again, in this particular passage, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. I, I see in the passage, I see the passage as more of a prescription than a command. And what I mean by that is, is this, um, it won't be till we give God our hearts that we'll observe his ways. So to observe his ways means obviously to not only care about what he is doing, but I believe also to do what he does. Years ago, <clears throat> and uh, it's been a long time ago now it seems, I uh, met my wife. And I've told the story before, and of course we know, and I'm not going to get into it tonight, how her and her friend invited me and my friend over. They took the offensive, of course. And seeing me, you know why now, ladies, you know that. But nonetheless, <clears throat> I won't go there. I won't discuss that part of it. But either way, I had an opportunity to meet my wife. And I'll be, t I'll be honest with you, the moment I met her, I, I knew there was something unique, something very special about her. And I thought to myself, I want to get to know her better. I want to get to know what makes her tick. I just want to know if she's really everything she appears to be on the outside. Is she that on the inside? And I had an opportunity to start to get to know her. I talked to her, and I started to spend a little time. And man, you know what? I, I found myself kind of falling for her. It wouldn't be long before she won my heart. I gave her my heart. 
Man, I'll tell you what, once I gave my wife my heart, and it was, honestly, my heart started kind of going over there a little bit early, and I had to be careful because I was ready to marry her a lot sooner than she was ready to marry me. But boy, once I gave her my heart, I'll tell you something, it affected my life. It changed everything. I mean, they were just, it was different. You know, I had friends, a few at least, At least I thought they were friends. But honestly, I wasn't as concerned about them as I was about her. And I wanted to be with her more than anybody else. It changed my whole outlook. Things that were important weren't so important all of a sudden. Now just being with her, wanting to hang out with her, try to spend time with her, that mattered to me. Our passage says, My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. I believe that giving someone your heart changes everything. And when you and I give our hearts to Jesus, a few things are going to happen. And I want to share a couple of things with you that will happen when we give the Lord our heart. We can go to church and never give the Lord our heart. You know, you say, well, I got saved. I know, but you have to make a conscious decision to give him your heart. But when you give God your heart, it will change everything. And so tonight I want to share just a few things that giving our heart to Jesus will change in our life. And I hope there'll be an encouragement to you. It shouldn't take us too awfully long, but I think it's something that will encourage us as we move forward in our service as well as into the days and weeks ahead. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with us tonight. And again, I thank you, Father, for just the privilege of pastoring this church, the opportunity to preach and proclaim your word. I don't take it lightly. What a tremendous responsibility, and yet what a privilege it is, an opportunity it is, Father, to be able to lift up your name before your people. We ask, dear God, that you would just speak to our hearts tonight through your word. May we be moved and motivated to be better than we are. We understand that, Lord, it's only by your grace that we're saved. We also know, Lord, that we have to make decisions to draw nigh to you. You said in drawing nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us. Bless us, we pray tonight. Be glorified in this place. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to give the Lord our heart, and if we do give the Lord our heart, a few things will change or a few things will happen. Number one, we will long to be in his presence. We'll long to be in his presence. Basically, we're just going to want to be with him. In Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Take your Bible, look over at Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63. Again, the psalmist is speaking and Man, his heart is going out to the Lord, and it's it's obvious he wants to spend time with God. It's obvious he wants to be in the presence of the Lord. Notice what he says in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. He says, Oh God, thou art my God. By the way, when did God become your God? That's a good question right there, isn't it? He says, Oh God, thou art my God. Young man, young lady, do you believe that God is? Oh, yeah. So is he your God, though? 
The psalmist knew God. He knew who God was, but he, he says, thou art my God. It's a personal thing. We make a conscious decision to say, not only are you God, but you are my God. Man, I don't know what happened to that person. They used to be faithful to church, and now they're gone. Maybe they knew God, they just, he wasn't their God. Oh, they had all the right answers. And they could tell you a lot about him. They could quote some scriptures maybe, but they never made him their God. Now, I'm not saying they're not even saved. Maybe they've backslidden some, but they're not allowing them to be God in their life. And let me tell you something, that's a problem. It's not enough to simply say, I know God. He's got to be my God. Oh, I know about him. Who cares? I know a lot about a lot of people. That don't make any difference in my life. I guarantee you, if I needed money, they're not going to give it to me. I need a place to stay. They're not going to open their house to me. Oh, I know a lot about them. I could talk to you about, oh, yeah, I read about this person in this magazine. They got plenty of money. They got a big house. They got all kinds of rooms left in their home. Uh, that don't matter. I'm not getting invited in. They got to be my friend. There's got to be a different level of relationship there than just knowing them or knowing about them. The psalmist says, oh, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Man, he had a rendezvous with God in the sanctuary. He met with the Lord. He says, man, I am parched. I need to, I need to meet with the Lord. I've got to be in his presence. I thirst to be with God. Boy, when we give God our heart, we're going to long to be in his presence. I'm going to tell you, I think we're going down a bad path in our country when we believe you can be a good Christian without being in God's house. That's a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous. I'm sick and tired up to hear about grace that tells me I can live like the devil. I'm really sick to it. I'm sick up to hear about it. I'm telling you, it's important that we understand that if you truly give your heart to God, you're going to want to be in his presence. And I don't know about you, but last I checked, a good place to meet with God can be in the house of God. It's not exclusive, and you can meet with him in your home, and you ought to meet with him daily in your personal time even. But my friend, if you don't want nothing to do with God's house, my friend, there's something wrong with your faith. It isn't faith at all then. There's something wrong with our hearts when we don't want to spend time with God. It's a bad place to be. We convolute everything today. Everything's so complicated. And yet I don't think God is so complicated. I don't think his word's complicated. We give God our heart. We are going to long to be in his presence. How is it possible you can meet a guy or a girl and you will throw away everyone and everything to be with them? But we say, oh, I love God so much. I've given him my heart. I'm just not big on the house of God. I'm not big on, on, on living like a Christian. I'm not big on doing all that stuff. I mean, I got other responsibilities. I got work, and, and I've got family, and I've got things to do. God and time and my time, eh, it's really kind of, I don't know about you, but there's a problem with that. 
There's a problem with that. I don't know why our relationships in the world seem to mirror this side of it, but our relationship with God is on the opposite end. Well, God knows my heart. Well, let me ask you, does that girl know your heart? How does she know it? How does he know it? Because you can't wait to be with him. You take and make every opportunity to be with him. You sacrifice time. You sacrifice relationships. You sacrifice family to be with them. But when it comes to Jesus, well, that's different. He would never, ever expect me to do that. All I'm saying is, when we give God our heart, we are going to long to be in his presence, just like the psalmist. He said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I don't know about you, but I got to admit, sometimes I got to work at that one. I'm not quite panting like I ought to sometimes. Listen, this old world satisfies us a lot more than we'd like to believe. We're not as thirsty for God as we'd like to imagine sometimes. I'm just saying we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to go to the Word of God, and we need to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, am I really panting after you? Am I longing for you? Do I want to be with you as much as I wanted to be with my husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend when I first met them? That'll, that'll, that'll really make a difference, right? You guys, you and your sports, but when you were dating the girl the first time, you went ahead and said, well, I'll miss the game so I can be with her. I want to get her. I want to win her. And you won her, and you said, honey, by the way, I'm going to be watching the football game today. And she said, no, you're not. And you went, yes, dear. <laughs> you better make sure you marry a woman that loves sports if you want to watch football. <laughs> Come on now. There's one good thing about women getting into sports these days. It means we guys can watch them too now. We're going to long to be in his presence. Number two. We give our heart to the Lord. We'll love to serve at his pleasure. We'll love to serve at his pleasure. We're going to want to do for him. It's not going to be a chore. It's going to be a privilege. Turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 10. I always marvel when I read this passage because I read about the queen of Sheba, and it's amazing as she comes and she observes the kingdom, Solomon's kingdom. Amazing to me. How and what she observes. It's kind of crazy. You know, one of the things about Community Baptists is that we're a little bit fanatic about a few things, okay? Now, now listen, you, you, can, you can believe that we're a little fanatic about a few things, but here's the thing I think you're going to understand. When we get to eternity, it'll be something you were grateful about. Now, right now, it's not always as pleasant, and it doesn't always seem to fit our lifestyles. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. When we stand before Jesus one day, we will be glad we committed it all. Till then, there's a lot of people telling us we're out of our minds. You guys are crazy. You deny yourself all those things. 
Why would you deny yourself this and deny yourself that? Why would you force yourself to be involved in this or do this or do that? Why do you do those things you do? Well, because we realize there's more than just this. We're going to love to serve at his pleasure. 1 Kings chapter 10, notice with the Queen of Sheba, verse 6. And she said to the king, by the way, did you feel this? Hey, did you, did you by chance know the Holy Spirit was here this morning? I mean, did you, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be weird. But I'm going to tell you what. There wasn't a peep in this place. It was so quiet. I knew you could feel it was, it was on. He was here. And that's why I was a little concerned. I didn't want some usher walking out a door. I didn't want somebody to ruffle their feathers and then all of a sudden the spirit take off and leave. You could feel the Holy Spirit was right here. It was like there was this, that moving. You know how we talk about, read about in Genesis chapter one? He moved upon the face of the deep. He was moving over the congregation. You could feel it. Everybody's hearts were hushed. And it was wonderful. It's wonderful. Holy Spirit, very sensitive like that. Nobody was even coughing. Is that a miracle already? We will love to serve at his pleasure. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words. Until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Here's the part. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. I think about that and I think they were so happy to serve. It was such a pleasure for them to serve. They loved their king so much that they served at his pleasure and their own pleasure. And I think to myself as a believer in Christ, isn't that what God wants for me? And he wants me to serve him. He doesn't want it to be a burden. He wants it to be a blessing in my life. And boy, so many times if we're not careful, we, I got to go to church again. I got to read my Bible. I got to go soul winning. Oh, I got to go to that training class. Oh, I got to prepare my lesson. Oh, oh, I got to. No, you get to. Man, I'll tell you, when you give your heart to the Lord, it's not a got to, it's a get to. There's something different. It's different. When you've given your heart to the Lord, it's not a burden to serve Him. Man, you just say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I don't have to be king on the hill. I'll be a doorkeeper. I don't care. I just want to serve you. Whatever you want for me, I'll do it. When you and I give our hearts to Jesus, we're going to long to be in his presence. We're going to love to serve at his pleasure. Number three, we'll learn to rest in his person. We'll learn to rest in his person. You say, what do you mean? We'll recognize and realize he is enough. He's enough. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, please. 
The Apostle Paul, of course, is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he shares this statement, and it's an encouraging one. It's, it's a very popular statement, actually. It's well known. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle says, For the which cause, <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. <clears throat> if I had an opportunity to ask some questions to a big Sunday school class tonight, and I would say, well, what, 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 what kind of, I guess, what kind of things do you believe that the apostle suffered? I think hands would be up all over the place, and we'd have all kind of answers. We know that he was persecuted. We know that he, he was left for dead. We know that so many things happened to the Apostle Paul, and he endured so much as a result of his commitment and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Boy, he made some commitments. He gave something to the Lord. And he said, I trust him to keep it. He's going to keep it. He's capable. He's able. He'll keep it. I've given it. I've entrusted to him. He's going to keep it. Will you give your heart to the Lord. He'll keep it. In Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. When we give our heart to the Lord, we are going to learn to rest in His person. It doesn't matter what troubles or trials come our way. God, we know, will be there for us, and He is going to orchestrate it all for our good. Somehow, some way. I have some quotes that I've taken from They Found the Secret. It was a portion written concerning J. Hudson Taylor. He said, The human heart has no desires that God cannot satisfy. The Christian's greatest difficulty is to take literally the promises of the Savior. Did you hear that? Isn't that interesting? The Christian's greatest difficulty is to take literally the promises of the Savior. We're talking about a man of God who was used so mightily in missions saw thousands of people come to Christ. And he says the Christian's greatest difficulty is to take literally the promises of the Savior. Oh, I have no problem taking literally the promises of the Savior. Okay. You always take them literal. So do I then. How's that working for us? Now hold on. Now watch this. This is interesting. Because he learned something that transformed and changed his life. The human heart has no desires that God cannot satisfy. The Christian's greatest difficulty is to take literally the promises of the Savior. Said the Lord Jesus, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. We're told to come to him, not to some friend, not to some experience, not to some feeling or fame, a frame of mind. We're not even to come just to the Word of God. 
Rather, we are to go through that word to the person of the Lord Jesus himself. Wow. He goes on, but this was not all that he showed me, nor one half. As I thought on the vine and the branches, what light the blessed Spirit poured into my soul, how great seemed my mistake in having wished to get the sap, the fullness out of him. I saw not only that Jesus would never leave me, but that I was a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. The vine, now I see, is not the root merely, but all. Root, stem, branches, twigs, leaves, flowers, fruit. And Jesus is not only that. He is soil and sunshine, air and showers, and 10,000 times more than we have ever dreamed, wished for, or needed. The sweetest part? if one may speak of one part being sweeter than another, is the rest which full identification with Christ brings, I am no longer anxious about anything. As I realize this, for he, I know, is able to carry out his will, and his will is mine. It makes no matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider than for me. For in the easiest positions, he must give me his grace. And in the most difficult, his grace is sufficient. I read stuff like that and I think to myself, man, I have a long way to go. I mean... When we give him our heart, when we fully yield our heart and say, here's my heart, God, you asked for it, I give it to you. He says, listen, you're going to learn to rest in me. You're not going to allow the burdens of this life and the world and all the problems that seem to follow it to burden you down, to keep you from enjoying me. You'll spend time just rooted in me, grounded in me. You'll find yourself saturated in me and the world's problems will not seem to bother you because I will be there and real to you and bringing you such satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. We start to measure ourselves in light of those kind of things. We realize that maybe we're holding a piece of our heart back. Maybe there's still something left to give him then. Because if the burdens of this world weigh us down, then maybe it's because our heart's still in us. And it's filling the burden instead of handing him the heart and knowing he's strong enough to uphold it. When you and I give our hearts to Jesus, we said it, we'll long to be in his presence. We'll love to serve at his pleasure. We'll learn to rest in his person. And finally, we will live according to his precepts. We will live according to his precepts. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Every problem in life that weighs us down, 
doesn't have to. I mean, that, that's the biblical truth. You say, yeah, but we're human. I know. The problem is we continue to act that way. When in reality, we are spiritual beings now. We do not, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Therefore, we live in a state like prior to salvation. We live our lives fleshly, not reckoning who and what we really are in Christ and enjoying and embracing the many blessings that his person brings. You say, do you got it all figured out? No. But dare, may I never ever blame God for why I'm miserable. If I am miserable, it is not his fault. I obviously have held too much onto my own heart and put way too much stock in it instead of him. Well, we got to be careful. I'm not saying we got to be superhuman in the sense that we aren't real and genuine, but we also have to recognize what our potential is in Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches, but he's everything, as J. Hudson Taylor mentions. He's every aspect of life. He's not to be a part of our life. He is our life. And When we truly give our heart wholly and completely to him, and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. As you will, Lord, not as I will. It'll change everything in our lives. We will live according to his precepts. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. His love constrains us. When we think about the love that he has for us, it constrains us. And it affects us and and we because of his love know we can trust him and we hand him our heart and the bible says that we don't live henceforth unto ourselves anymore but unto him who died for us and rose again we do believe too often that god cares about what we think all the time how we feel what our opinion of things is. We do think very highly of ourselves in most cases. Now again, I'm not saying you say, well, God cares about me, casting all your care upon him because he cared for you. That's right, you cast your care on him. But we do not have a right to tell God how to run his business. We think we do sometimes. Well, I'm just like Abraham, and I'm going to barter with God. Go ahead, do your best. But in the end, if it doesn't turn out the way you want it, don't be upset with him. He has a right to run things the way he chooses. If he chooses to take down the city and not spare one life, he is still holy, righteous, and just.
In 1 John 5, 3, he says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Boy, if we could figure that one out, we'd be good. Why is there such a great departure from the fundamental Baptist church today? Because too many believe his commandments are grievous. They're just so hard. I want freedom. The burden, the weight of trying to live up to his expectation and everybody else's. Okay. Last time I checked, though, But this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. I don't know. I'm just going to follow the Bible a little bit here, but I think that really if being obedient to the Lord is such a grievous thing, such a difficult thing for me, then I think maybe I have a problem. I must have a problem here. And it has something to do with love, either his love to me or my love to him. And I don't think his love to me is a problem. I know that sounds simplistic, but again, I do believe we complicate the Christian life way too much. There's always these things that we got to kind of throw in. Yeah, but, right? Isn't that how we live today? There's always a but. And I'm telling you, it doesn't belong everywhere in the Christian life. There's too many, too much privilege here. They run around talking about in our world, well, you know, you people have white privilege, you got this privilege, you got that privilege, you got this privilege. We have Christian privilege. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. Not a bit. And I want it. But the problem is I don't utilize it all the time. I don't take full advantage of the privilege that God's given me to be able to access Him at any moment, anytime, anywhere, to be able to be at rest in his presence, to be able to just depend on him and and rely upon him and know that he has my best interest at heart. I don't always take advantage of that. I feel the burden sometimes of life and I allow the weight of the world on my shoulders and I don't take full advantage of the privilege he's given me to cast all my care upon him. Well, you ought to take full advantage of the privilege he's given you and I must do the same. But the greatest privileges are found when we give away our heart to him. That's that's truly enjoying the privilege. That's where you really get the full benefit. And that's where I get the full benefit. In Kansas City, during the great Gypsy Smith revival years ago, ago, an old preacher came into the room where Gypsy Smith was sitting after the service. Thousands, thousands were being blessed and hundreds saved. And the old minister, he walked up to Gypsy Smith and he placed his hands upon the evangelist's head and he kind of felt around. I'm trying to find the secret of your success, he said. Gypsy Smith simply said, Too high. Too high, my friend. You're too high. The secret of whatever success God has given me is not there, but down here. He placed his hand on his heart. 
But when we give God our heart, we're going to long to be in His presence. We give God our heart, we're going to love to serve at His pleasure. We give God our heart, we're going to learn to rest in His person. We give God our heart. We're going to live according to his precepts. Right off the bat, it would seem that this command was just that, a command alone. But I believe it's so much more. I believe it contains a prescription. When we give God our hearts, we will observe his ways. Not only will we have a desire to watch and to observe and see his ways as he performs, but we will want to also abide in those. Will you give him your heart tonight? Will you give him your heart? When Sir Sir Walter Raleigh was led to the block, his executioner asked him if his head lay right. Raleigh answered, it matters little, my friend, how the head lies, provided the heart is right. It matters little, my friend, how the head lies, provided the heart is right. Will you give him your heart tonight? Will I? Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time that we've had together in the word of God, just to Simple, simple passage, very simple truths, but very powerful thoughts. And we just pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to recognize that you want our hearts. And when we give you our hearts, it's going to change things. Oh, Lord, we, we may have given you our heart even in the past, but, boy, it's easy to start taking pieces of it back. Lord, help us just to hand you our hearts. In doing so, Lord, we'll observe your ways. God, we desperately need you tonight. Prepare our hearts, Lord, as we ready ourselves even for communion tonight. May we confess sin and may we prepare ourselves, Father, so that when we remember what you have done for us, we can do so with a pure heart, pure mind. We can do it in all sincerity with a heart of gratitude. We'll thank you and praise you for what you'll do tonight in our midst. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.